0: My name is Aliyah Visser and I am the Watershed Worship Arts Intern. I'm so excited to be worshiping with you all this morning. Um, I invite you all to stand and greet your neighbor. But first, there is this very important game that we have today, apparently. It's called the Super Bowl, I guess. Um, You can discuss with your neighbor who you have winning tonight. I invite you all to keep standing and sing with us these next few songs.
1: Before the Israelites left Babylon, the king of Persia, who had overthrown Babylon, decided to help them rebuild the temple back in Jerusalem. He organized people from all over the land to give livestock and supplies to the Israelites. He even returned all of the gold and silver that the Babylonians had stolen from the temple. 50,000 Israelites returned to Jerusalem and rebuilt the altar of the temple, then laid the foundation for the building itself. Before the temple was even finished, the Israelites began to offer sacrifices and worship God in it once again. But other countries surrounding Jerusalem began to worry about the Israelites regaining power. So they sabotaged the rebuilding project and it came to a standstill for 16 years. But God used two men, Haggai and Zechariah, to encourage the Israelites to resume building the temple and not to be afraid of their enemies. So they continued building, strengthened by the prophet's words. The opposition continued, this time from a man named Tatanai, the governor of a nearby region. He wanted to stop the Israelites from building and worked to convince the Persian king, Darius, to stop the Israelites. Not only did King Darius not stop the rebuilding project, he threatened Tatanai and anyone else who would try to stop the temple from being rebuilt, that he would kill them. Then he made Tatanai give funding, animals, and supplies to the Israelites. So the work continued and almost 70 years after it had been destroyed, the Israelites finished rebuilding the temple. They dedicated it by sacrificing hundreds of animals to God and returning the priests back to their positions of leadership in the temple. God was once again worshiped in Jerusalem.
2: All the kids um, preschool through fifth grade up here Oh, I... let's bow our heads and close our eyes dear Lord thank you for bringing each um, child here today each family and each teacher help us to have um, open ears and hearts to hear what you have to say today amen
3: well good morning everyone Good to see you this morning. I'm Pastor Aaron, if you don't know me, or Aaron is just absolutely fine. I'm glad to see you and glad to be able to worship together. Uh, This morning, we're going to watch another one-minute video um, to highlight Kids Hope here, and Dawn is going to come up. But uh, yeah, let's watch another video. (laughs) At Kids Hope USA, we believe that all kids matter to Jesus and that the local church, the community of believers, called to care for and invest in kids lives through a proven school-based mentoring program in partnership with the church a kids hope USA mentor steps up one hour each week to make a difference in the life of a child this one-on-one attention can be transformative for a student needing the support of another caring and consistent adult in their life through the power of mentoring kids build resilience and a brighter future and mentors deepen their faith and commitment to community. Join us in this meaningful mission to serve children in your community through your church's Kids Hope USA program. Because there's a child wanting to spend time with you.
2: Good morning. Uh, my name is Dawn Housekamp, and I have the privilege of being the Kids Hope Director here at Hardawake Ministries through Neighbors Plus. Um, This morning, I would just like to share a short true story about three kids, and I have entitled it A Calling of Hope. This is about a second grader at our Lakeshore Elementary School, a student at Harbor Lights Middle School, and a graduate of West Ottawa um, High School. So, a few weeks ago at our Heart Aweak Wednesday night community dinner, a second grader asked me with his mouth full of food So, when will my new bodyguard start meeting with me at school? I was puzzled, and it took me a minute to figure out that he was referring to his newly appointed Kids Hope mentor. I smiled and wasn't really sure what he was referring to, but then I remembered. Um, that, you know, it was his mentor that was going to start with him next week. And I explained his bodyguard is a mentor, and he will al- she will always have your back. At that same table, the middle schooler, hearing our conversation, blurts out, do you know what I call my kids' hope mentor? And I'm like, no. And he's like, I call her my antidepressant because she always makes me smile and feel happy. Now, the recent West Ottawa graduate is Leah. She has been in our Kids Hope program for many years. And this past year, I don't know specifically why Leah reached out to me, but I do know that Leah was called to be a mentor. You see, she was in Kids Hope while she was in elementary school. She had a great mentor a great role model, a mentor that was funny, played games with her, but always wanted to win, and who always came with candy, as she mentioned, so I would do my homework. That mentor was Mary Van Denen. Sadly, Mary never knew the impact she had on mentoring Leah before she passed away. As Kids Hope mentors, we may never see the difference we make, but we certainly make a difference. And in Mary and Leah's case, Mary planted the seed of hope in Leah, which continues to grow today. So that's why I'm sharing with you this story today. Our school is asking for more mentors, people who are willing to walk alongside a child, play, read, craft, or maybe even throw a football. It's simple really, we just need a friend. The commitment is 45 minutes to one hour. If you're gone on vacation for a month, that is fine too. Um, You will be trained and supported and faithfully serve a precious child. Perhaps you are failed to call and plant a seed in a child and change their lives. Thank you.
3: Let's thank Don for the work that she does. <laughs> Don, thanks. Um, I, I just love you think about nobody goes in trying to be a bodyguard. <laughs> nobody goes in trying to be an antidepressant. That is probably I've been around kids hope for a long time. John, can you bring me down a little bit? Um, yeah, nobody anticipates that. But you think about all of that is connected to relationship. That hour. Makes a kid feel valued, makes a person, right? I mean, this is what we can do at work. This is what we can do with our neighbors. We give people time. We don't know what they need, but that time and availability in their lives, I mean, that's the greatest mission all of us are called to, to be available to the people around us. Uh, We may never, like Mary, know the fullness of the impact of that, but man, we will fill in a space. God will use you, will use us, whether it's kids' hope or whether it's the friends you encounter on a daily basis can use you in powerful ways without really you having to do much. I mean, that's the power of God at work. So, again, thanks. Thanks for continuing to support us as we support Kids Hope. Um, I want to bring your attention to just a couple other quick uh, ministries going on this week. We have on Wednesday night, community night, if you're not familiar, but this is the staff chili cook off. And I'm not going to get all competitive about it because I don't make our chili. Um, So vote for Kendra's. Um, (laughs) uh, Man, our staff gets a little crazy. Uh, So I'm just going to say there's a trophy and everything. So if you want to help build up egos and tear other ones down join us. Um, No, but uh, what we do then is we put dollars, you know, money in, in different chilies. We don't serve our own, so that's how it works, by the way. And nobody's supposed to tell you what theirs is. Just FYI. So don't let anybody cheat. Yeah, we're still human beings, sorry. (laughs) But uh, we put money in, and that money will go towards supporting uh, Feed My Starving Children. You've heard me talk about that the last couple weeks. Uh, Not only that, we have the little M&M containers where we're connected collecting quarters. Uh, Kids are doing that. So a lot of that goes to uh, help feed my starving children. Then there's a baked goods sale that's going on, and that's going to support Aaliyah, uh, for one, and Ruth Komposik, and then Becca, one of our our, uh, high school leaders, as they are heading to Spain with another youth group this summer uh, on a mission trip. So Uh, If you want to buy some baked goods, that's helping to support them as they go. So, uh, one more thing is Friday. If you and your child want to hang out at a Valentine's Ball, I hear Becky, who's our Children's Ministry Director, and Miss Christine are going to be dressed quite interestingly. Um, So, just leaving it there. But if you want to be a part of that, um, feel free to join us. Uh, With that being said, let's pray and we'll dive into God's Word this morning. God, thank you. Um, As we've sung this morning, you're holy, you're worthy. God, you are God. We look to you. Uh, You turn our lives into something of meaning and value. Lord, our lives have begun with meaning and value um, and purpose. We were created in your image. Father, and part of our story um, that we all have to wrestle with is sin comes into our life. It distorts that beautiful image. It, Lord, infects our life in ways that we never would have imagined. It it affects our life, pressing brokenness upon us. Lord, so Satan has taken what is good and tried to mess it up, Lord. He's tried to mess up our lives. As we come into worship today, Father, many of us carry some of that mess with us. Some stuff that we've done and we wish we wouldn't have. Some things that have happened to us. Lord, I think about our our heart awake community as a whole. I think about the families that are dealing with cancer right now. Lord, some dealing with multiple forms. Lord, I think about those who have um, endured procedures this week or many have, have gone through biopsies, have Lord, had to deal with going into surgery. Lord, others are, are looking ahead to it. Some folks, Lord, have a diagnosis that isn't real hopeful. Others, there's possibility. Lord, some of us have walked through even the deepest valley of death this week. Lord, these are things that are in our lives. We don't come here today to worship you uh, in a vacuum. We don't come unaffected by the world around us. And as much as, Lord, that is our reality, we also know there's another reality we live and dwell in. And that is one of your kingdom, one of your son, who loved us enough to give his life for us, to offer us a hope and a future. To offer us life even as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. To lift us from the pit. Lord, you celebrate with our celebrations and our joys. You also aren't afraid of the darkness we're walking through. So Lord, as we come into your word this morning, as we continue to worship you, I pray that you continue to reorient our hearts. That you anchor us deeply in who you are and that we belong to you so that no matter what we're facing whether it's of our own making or whether it's from outside forces god that we know we have a safe place we've got a bodyguard we've got the greatest antidepressant we've got a mentor who would pour life into ours So the Lord, not only that we would have life, but we could give it back. So now God, we we pray as your children, loved by you, that you would speak your truth to us. That you would help me to convey that truth in a clear way. Lord, in a way that your Holy Spirit can use to encourage us, to maybe challenge us. Again, to reorient us and anchor us deeply in the freedom we have in your finished work. Jesus, is in your name that we pray, and all God's children said, amen. We already got to dive in the video a little bit of where we're at in the Bible, uh, the story of the Bible. Uh, the people of Israel, of Judah, have come out of exile. Now, 70 years have come and gone of their exile due to their sin, Right? Israel, both Israel and Judah, the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom, were carried off due to their sin. But as you can see, we're in a new three-week miniseries. As the kingdom was torn, God's people seemed to be kind of hopeless. There's a kingdom that's in repair. I love, Drew makes a lot of our our graphics. I don't know if he wants me telling you, but he's not here this morning, so I'm telling you. (laughs) But I love how in his creativity, he thought about duct tape. How many of you love duct tape? I mean, come on. What can't you use duct tape for? I had a friend in college make a hammock out of duct tape, and he literally slept in it for an entire semester. Hey, props to you. My back couldn't handle that then, let alone now. But uh, the idea over these next few weeks, and as we began to see already in our video, is that God's kingdom and his people were starting to see a repair. Right? We're not there yet. In a few weeks, we're going to come to Jesus, Jesus who brings God kingdom, God's kingdom here on earth. We're not there yet, but we're starting to see shades of new life. And some of that new life comes today in the rebuilding of the temple. It got me thinking about being grounded, being rooted, being centered in our lives. Right? I wonder what it is that you, you center yourself in. Where are your priorities, right? That might be a different way of asking the question this morning. Where is it that you draw life from, right? That's why when I came across this image, I just loved it. You know, somebody there, but where we prioritize, the things we put our energy into, right, they're either meant to give life or they can take it from us. And the reality of the message that we're going to talk about today and the realization that we see with the people of Judah as they return is that our lives were meant to be anchored deeply in Jesus, anchored deeply in God's kingdom and God himself. That's where we draw our life. Paul would say this in Acts 17, that it's in Jesus, in him, we live and move and have our being. That's the way it was meant to be from Genesis 1. It's the way it will be all the way to Revelation 22, the last chapter of the Scriptures. That even uh, the vision of a restored heaven and earth, Christ is center to everything. So as the people are coming back out of this exile, God wants them to recenter themselves before anything else around him. That's why the rebuilding of the temple is so important. So this morning we're going to dive into a couple books of the Bible, Ezra and Haggai, to hear some of what takes place. So the first is Ezra chapter 1 we're going to look starting at verse 1. Let's hear God's word this morning. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia. So Persia, Persia, the Medes and the Persians have taken over Babylon. They're now the world power. Cyrus is the king of Persia. In order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah. So God is keeping his promise. The Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm. And also to put it in writing. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he's appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you may go up to Jerusalem in Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem. And may their God be with them. Just a reminder, this is coming from Cyrus, the king of the Persians. Not as we might call today, a Christian. (laughs) Not then, a God-fearer, not a Jewish person. No, a Persian king. He's decreeing, go back. People, you may go back. And, he goes on to say, In any locality where survivors may now be living, the people are to provide them the people. The general populace, the public, are supposed to provide them with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, with freewill offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. Then the family heads of Judah and Benjamin, the priests and the Levites, everyone whose heart God had moved, prepared to go up and build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. Verse 6, all their neighbors assisted them with articles of silver and gold, with goods and livestock, with valuable gifts. In addition to all the free will offerings. Moreover, King Cyrus brought out the articles belonging to the temple of the Lord, with which Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem, and he placed those in the temple that had been placed in the temple of his God. So he gave him all the articles that Nebuchadnezzar. We talked about this actually last week. All right, Nebuchadnezzar tried to repurpose God's stuff for their own worship, their own purposes, and here Cyrus is giving it all back. As I read this text this morning, I'm reminded again of this truth, that we serve a God who is full of this incomprehensible grace. Grace, again, if it's a term that maybe you need to be reminded of, what it means is an unmerited, unearned favor. Think again that this, this God that we're hearing about wants to be with his people. That while they were disciplined for their sin, and remember it was like 300 plus years of sin. <laughs> it didn't happen just overnight. Right? This God wants to be with his people, wants to be their God as much as they are his people. This God would move in the, king of the, the, the then, king of the then known world, right? The ruler of the empire of Persia moves in his heart to say, by the way, you go back. You go back. And, and on top of that, we're going to give you all the things that we took out of your temple to bring back with you. That's a grace. Right? They didn't deserve that. They didn't earn that. They were little peons compared to the Persian Empire. They couldn't do anything to say, hey, I can get this back. If we're just good enough, you'll give us. No. This is an incomprehensible grace. It doesn't make sense. That's what grace is. If we really understand it, 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 it doesn't make sense. We are so conditioned to do things according to our efforts, our energy, our power. Israel could not pull themselves out of exile. But God, who, was, who had called them their, his people, said, you are mine. God, who had promised after seven year, years, you're not going to be done. I'm not wiping you off the face of the earth. While I discipline you for a while, I will bring you back. I will restore you. I will be with you. And he does so by blessing them abundantly. Even so that their neighbors haul out offerings, silver, gold, and, and the people go back. People go back to their land. Now remember, this land had been ransacked, had been demolished, had been annihilated. And they're going back to a city that has fallen, a temple that has been demolished. But they began the work. We saw today in the video, they laid the foundations. They even began to sacrifice a little bit. Things were going well amidst this grace that had motivated them and moved them. However, this is what happens in Ezra 4. It just briefly in two verses kind of sums up what they face. Then the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah, make them afraid to go on building. They were afraid. They were afraid if these people got reestablished, their lives were going to change. Remember, for 70 years now, somebody else moved in, moved into your house. Even though it might have been dilapidated, they were doing their fixer-upper Right? They're afraid that if this power comes back, they may be subjected to this God because their story was, in the past we were. If we didn't bend our knee to him, oh man, he was gonna, we were going to be taken over. So what did they do? They sought out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. They ended up bribing officials to work against them, to frustrate their plans during the entire reign of Cyrus, king of Persia and down to the reign of Darius, king of Persia. In this, while they move in this incomprehensible grace, they face what we may say is unanticipated opposition, right? Sometimes when things are going well, we're not expecting for the other, the other shoe to, to fall, right? We're not expecting for it to hit the fan. But they face a people that don't want to see God's work take place. And that's the thing. Anytime we try to center our lives on God, in him, to root ourselves deeply in the one who has loved us and created us, guess what happens? Satan goes, no. It happened at the very beginning of scriptures in Genesis 3. We see what? As soon as Adam and Eve, things are going well, they're walking with God. There's no shame between them and the Lord. There's no shame between all things are well. Satan goes, ah, you know what? If we just shift your center to you, to your empires, as we talked about last week, right? If we just move you off of your center a moment, we take the wheel off the axle and we throw it in the back seat. <laughs> what happens? Right? Our source of life gets cut off, maybe at best fractured. And that's what takes place for the Jewish people. We heard 16 years, it was 16 to 20 years. Work had slowed down to begin with, but as they faced more and more opposition, as, as, as the people would go on to, to Xerxes and Artaxerxes, these were two kings in between Cyrus and Darius, they would, they would share letters saying, oh, if, if they, uh, by the way, rebuild this temple, they've always been troublemakers. Uh, so this isn't going to go well for you. They're always resistors. Right? They told a false narrative. A false story. And so often that's how opposition can come to us. Sometimes people tell a story about us that isn't true. Amen? Right? Just They'll lump us into a category that's in their mind, their fears, their desires, or just whatever it is, it's, it's them getting scared. And so if I can pull you away, if I can pull you off center, if I can mess it up for you, then I'll be okay and I don't have to deal with my stuff. Right, that opposition takes place. I mean, the reality is, until we see God's kingdom come fully and Christ returns, we're still continuing to face op- opposition from the enemy who wants to take life away. Right? That's Satan's MO. To move us off-center. To ground us in the things of life to be life for us instead of that which is life itself, our God. Well, after this 16 to 20 years, again, I say that just to give you a concept of time. Often when we read the scriptures, we don't grab onto that concept of time, right? We move from verse one to verse two, and then verse 20, right? And we, we fail to see. 16 to 20 years. Did God come kicking down the door and say, you dumb people, get your act straight. No, he gave them time. God in grace oftentimes gives us time to be able to recorrect, to set a new course. However, if we don't after time, he sends a messenger, right? We've talked about God's messengers in this series, and one of those messengers was Haggai. And here's what he says in Haggai chapter 1. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of... Jezadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Right? Things, Things have gotten off because of this opposition. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much, but you've also harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, you're not warm. You earn wages, only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains, bring down timber, build my house, so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? declares the Lord Almighty. Why? Because of my house. God goes, I'm supposed to be the center, Because my house, which remains a ruin while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their due and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields, in the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces, on people and livestock, and all the labor of your hands. I'd say to the people, right? Priorities are misaligned. Gives them a very clear example and picture. Look at your house and look at mine. If I'm supposed to be center of your life, look at your house and look at mine. Two times it says, give careful thought to your ways. We could in a sense hear Haggai go, how's this working for you? You're so concerned with building your life and building your life away from me on the things of life, not life itself. And it ain't really working. But here again is the incomprehensible grace of God who never stops pursuing his people. Here I am. How's it working for you? Yep, I put a stop on things. Why? Because in my grace, by the way, when God sometimes withholds, when God sometimes stops the blessing, it's a grace. Because how can God allow us to build our lives on things that are not life? Think about it in a moment. Give careful thought to that. Why would God go, I'm just going to bless your life abundantly when you're building it on things that aren't meant to be your life? And here's the point in time when I hold a mirror up for myself. Because ever since Genesis 3, we all do it. We all, in our own ways, find something else. Maybe it's our work, right? They're they're getting at it. And listen, while there was opposition from the outside, there was this internal opposition going on, too. How? How? What? Lord, we got to build our house. What happens when it rains? I know it doesn't rain often there, but... (laughs) Right? What happens when there's drought? Where, what happens? We've got to get these fields going because these fields, it's going to take years before they really produce enough food. When, what happens when everything Cyrus and our neighbors gave us run out? Anybody ever be in that spot? What if? What happens when? Worry. Anxiety. But in those moments, Haggai reminds us, where are you going to go? God reminds us in his grace. I'm going to cut off that life source because it's not life. You weren't meant for that. You were meant for me. This is why I want you to rebuild the temple in the central heart of the then known world, Jerusalem. I want you to be a light in this world. I want you to be the salt, the life of this world. I want the world to see because I'm blessing you to bless the world. But if you're not being blessed, if you're not living in my life, how can you give the life to the world? Right? That's the, that's God's, that's how it works. He goes, I created you, I love you. In me, you live, you move, you have your being. If you know that, guess what? Man, there is life, and it's good. And you know what? If you want to make a difference in people's lives around you, and be grounded in me because I'm the one who made them, created them, and can use you. So you can be their bodyguard for crying out loud. (laughs) And never even know it. You can plant seeds in somebody's life that will outlast yours. Because you were capable? No. Because the one who gives life was. Haggai says, take a look at your house. Take a look at mine. How's that working for you? God's not done. Though again, God's never done. He never leaves us. He goes on to say this, Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Jezada, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people, what? Obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him. If we go back to all of the the messengers who had come to Israel and Judah, one of their biggest failings was they didn't listen to God's voice when God's voice came to them. But what do we hear? In this moment, the people heard it. But it's also, they heard it because they felt it. And sometimes, again, that's God's grace. He's going to allow us to feel it so that we truly understand at a heart level, not just at a head level, but at a heart level, that he's meant to be our life. And they obeyed. They believed Haggai had been sent from the Lord, and the people did what? Feared the Lord. At the heart of the book of Proverbs... That God's wisdom is this, the fear of the Lord. That we keep God in his right place in our lives, at the center. That he's our groundedness. So then the Lord stirred up. Let me jump ahead, sorry. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jezadak, the high priest, In the spirit of the whole remnant of the people, they came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. The Lord stirred up their hearts. The verse before he says, I am with you. Again, God's incomprehensible grace. But here are a people grounded again. And they will go on to finish and complete the temple. For some who had seen the previous temple, it wasn't... (laughs) It was hard because sometimes when we look back and we see what has been, it still continues to break our hearts. But in the midst of their tears, they saw the possibility in a future. They saw a God who continued to keep promises. They they believed in the God who was with them all through exile and was with them now. For those who had not yet seen, they saw amazing things happen because of this incomprehensible grace. This God who keeps promises that long last far longer than they live. They see that when they built their house and built their life on something that wasn't supposed to be, God would step in and course correct their lives in order to bring them back to him. And when they were back to him, he would continue to breathe his life into them. They were grounded again in God. Jesus would say this in Matthew 5, or 6, 33. As we think about worrying, as we think about in that passage, what am I going to, what if, what happens when? Jesus says, but seek first. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, his rightness. And all these things will be given to you. As well, right, God is wanting and desiring to be our source of life. Folks, one of the reasons why we worship regularly, weekly, isn't because the Bible says, by the way, you guys need to have a worship service at 945 on Hard <laughs> or else. No, it's because God gives us a Sabbath. A Sabbath where we can pray, we can play. Sabbath was designed to be a spot in our lives, a weekly rhythm in our lives where we can start to see that the world doesn't need us, doesn't revolve around us. It can go on without me. And in the time that we pray, we can reorient and refocus our lives we can be regrounded that's why we have the spiritual practice of corporate worship so that you and i as i study all week long what do you think's happening man god's recentering my life cuz man i don't know about you it's a daily occurrence as much as a weekly occurrence amen how many of you need it daily <laughs> But when we do this together, we're reminded that we are God's people so that hopefully 16, 20 years down the road, we're not needed a major course correction from the Haggai's and the Zechariah's to say, hey dude, look at your house, look at mine. How's that working for you? But even if he does that, we know he's doing it to reground us, to reorient us. So I wonder today, how that's going. Weekly, are you living in a time and a space where you can step out of the world to be renewed, to be restored? Not with the fear. This this isn't a shame thing. This isn't, hey, if you don't, you're a bad person. No, this is an opportunity. Sabbath was an opportunity for us to go back to the garden to live in what will be one day when Christ finally and fully comes, where we just get to live and dwell. (sighs) With a sigh of relief. Where we can live where Christ is the center. Is the ground in which we live and move and have our being. It's a weekly rhythm. I wonder daily what it could be for you. Is it a moment of prayer? Taking time to say, hey, God, you know what? I'm going to get up this morning. I'm going to get up a few minutes early. I'm just going to focus my attention on you before I go do something else. Before I get about the day, before I get after it, help me fix my eyes on you. Proverbs 3 says, I'm going to commit my way to the Lord, trusting that he'll he'll take my paths. He'll direct them. He'll make them straight. Maybe it's at the end, as you think about, reflect on the day and, and get ready for another. In a little in in a couple weeks, we're gonna talk about what happens when the scripture comes into our lives. It reforms us. Is it diving into a, a devotional? Just to again reorient our brains. How many of you need a reorienting? Right? I need it. I get too focused on the things ahead. I get too focused on the task list. I get too focused on my kids, on my wife. I get too focused everywhere else because I know Satan's constantly trying to shift me off my center. He's trying to shift you off of where you belong, to whom you belong, from life itself. And if we even begin to try, what's he gonna do? He's gonna keep trying. (laughs) But here's the goodness of God. He pours out his incomprehensible grace. He says, I'm with you. I got your back. And there ain't nowhere I'm going to go. Even if you're in the pit, if you're in Sheol itself, as the psalmist would say. Even if you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Even if there is nothing in all of this world that can separate me from you. Romans 8. Nothing. So go with me. Give careful thought to your life. As you reflect this week, where's the center? Where's your ground? I want to invite you back to the one whom you belong to. The one whose you are. To life itself. Jesus. Who has given his life so you can have it abundantly. Let's pray. God, the way back actually isn't hard. It's to turn. It's what repentance is. It's to turn. Turn in a different direction. So conceptually, while that's not hard, we know we're up against Satan up against the demonic, up against evil that wants to shift us from you. And so, Lord, we pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, to recenter us, to ground us, to anchor us deeply in your love, in your life. Thank you for the grace of withholding things from time to time so that we can assess and give careful thought to our lives. Thank you for the ability to come back. Thank you for the good that you give amidst the oppositions we face, the opposition that's outside of us, the opposition that still fights inside of us. And thank you that, again, your spirit dwells with us. There is not a place we can go where you're not already because you are in us. As much as they rebuild a temple, we know your story, God, says we are the temple. As individuals and as your church, you dwell within each of us by your peace, by your power, by your presence. So again, God, make us aware of you who are the God who is with us. And may we, God, know your presence this week in a real way. May you help us, Lord, to keep throughout this journey of life, centering ourselves more deeply in you. We pray these things in many more prayers in the name of Jesus and all God's children said, amen.
0: Let's just try to take this moment and circle in on God, the one who gives us this life on this earth right now. Please stand.
3: continues to be the good news for us. God is faithful. God is faithful to his promises. God is faithful to you, his creation. We see that in Jesus. He never gives up on us. God is faithful to us in our futures because he is our life. He wants to be yours. Well, we let him as you go live in that this week, as you seek to reground yourself, to recenter yourself in him, and to live that life in this world, receive this blessing of our God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance, his smile upon you, give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Go in peace. If you don't mind stacking a few chairs, we certainly appreciate that. Otherwise, have an excellent week.